living word, Lord. I thank you, Father, that tonight, Lord, you are to be glorified through the power of your word. Father God, I pray that you bring clarity in your house tonight, Lord, through your word. I pray that through my lips, Lord, I may speak with clarity of the message that you want to bring. Father God, that, that you would move us, Lord God. We would be obedient to move as you have called us, as you're calling us to move in the people that we are placed around. Father, that alignment would come with your spirit. Alignment would come as we place ourselves within the pipeline, as we place ourselves in, in complete alignment with what you are calling us into. And then, Father, lastly, that we would have the focus to carry it out on a daily basis, that we would daily pick up our cross, we would daily call upon you and place you as king of our hearts, king of our lives, that lordship would reign in the very core of us and that we would put our flesh to death in acknowledgement that in obedience with you, in alignment with you, Lord, there is life, there is abundance, there is growth to be had and fruit at the other side. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Awesome. Well, I've, um, I've titled this message, Who's Conned You of Your Confidence? In, in essence, this message lies around the topic of where does your confidence lie? Where have you put your confidence? Is it in Christ, who is, your, who is the hope of glory in you? Or is it the mindset that you're trying to do everything in your own strength? Or is it based on an individualistic viewpoint of what a relationship of God looks like. Um, I spoke to Clay immediately after he, soaked his, he said his message this morning. I said, mate, there's so much synergy that's happening in this house at the moment, and particularly with what I wanted to bring was very similar uh, to the lines of what he was talking about this morning. And this whole individualistic viewpoint of the way in which we uh, press into God, the way in which we read His Word, the way in which we... Um, develop uh, in our relationship uh, can be uh, to the detriment of us as much as it can be uh, to the, the birth and the development of something which can grow and develop to be fruit in our lives. But it comes down to, will we be willing to walk with other people? Will we be willing to, to be challenged and to uh, walk in, in His alignment and the interpretation of His Word? So what does it look like to you? In lots of conversations that I had with Christians in this house, uh, with friends and, and other acquaintances that I have, I find a distinct correlation in discussion when figuring out what holds people back from stepping out in faith. What, what holds people back from being confident in their God, confident that, that His is the victory. You've got examples like, oh, I don't know my Bible well enough, or Words always just seem to leave me just at that moment when I, when I need them. Or this one's quite common. I don't know how to hold my own in a debate over whether God is real, deba a debate over evolution or Mormonism, 
apologetics, such as why does God allow suffering, or where do dinosaurs come into the equation, especially Barney? Where's he in this? Where's he in this? But we have these, we have these things, we have these, these, these particular topics, these particular areas that we, we look at and we, we, we discount ourselves in, in our confidence. Or in the other complete opposite, we get overconfident and we put our trust in those very simple things. Peter Voll, um, spelt V-O-E-L-L, he's a writer of Ethos Publications 2011. He takes a very interesting look at the way in which we perceive and the way in which we enter into these sorts of discussions with people. He says, everybody wants to win. Competitive forensics exists as a venue utilizing that drive to succeed as a catalyst for greater goals, whether it's job interviews, whether it's everyday conversations, being able to count to three basic things, or walking out of a tournament facility with one or multiple first-place trophies in your possession feels incredible until you grow up and realize those pieces or, uh, of pewter or whatever don't really mean anything besides bragging rights for a maximum of four years. Now, I think he's taking a look at World Cup um, credentials there. You, you New Zealanders, you Kiwis have, have got the bragging rights for the next four years. But us English, you know, we've, we've got huge pride and we'll be back again in another four years. Not saying we're going to win it, but <laughs> the same can be said in our approach to the way in which we present our Lord, the way in which we present our Father to people. We can get so easily caught up in winning the argument. We can get so easily caught up in, in, in winning the, the discussion that we actually misplace what God is actually wanting to do in the environment between you and that person. Everybody wants to win, but very few know how. What I want to communicate tonight in a clear as possible way and I don't want anybody coming away feeling confused, so please come and see me afterwards if I don't explain anything clearly. But what I want to say to you tonight is that however important we view having the knowledge of these areas, and I'm sure that there are many others that I haven't included tonight, having these answers to these questions can mean diddly squat to your life in the bigger picture of getting to know the person of Jesus and being transformed from the inside out to become the bride that the body of Christ has always been called to be. You can have all the answers. You can have all the answers to those questions when you talk to someone, but they can still come away not knowing who the person of Jesus is. Now, am I saying to you that not knowing your Bible enough means diddly squat in the bigger picture? No, absolutely not. We are called to envelop ourselves in His Word. The Word of God is the key that unlocks revelation to the very person and the character of Jesus Christ. But if we're reading our Bible just so that we can get a one-up over, uh, over somebody who's trying to discount our faith, somebody who's trying to um, you know, discredit our own belief, then we're approaching it the wrong way. We're missing the point of the Great Commission. 
as well as the amazing mysteries that God wants to unveil to us as we enter into his word and as he opens our eyes, as he opens our minds to these areas that we've never seen before. Again, another disclaimer alert, okay? So this is another thing. I'm, am I saying that the study or research into the answers of apologetics is futile? Again, no, not at all. Scriptures encourage us, in fact, to be fervent and to never lag in diligence. It's Romans, uh, Romans 12, 11. But if we think that having the answers to these areas is a standard, is something that we, we, we're to get to, for seeing people coming into his kingdom, then we're going to get a nasty surprise when we don't see any change within those people that we so desperately want to see the breakthrough happen in their life. I had this mindset growing up. I had this mindset in my Christian walk that if I can cram as many Bible verses into my mind, if I can uh, uh, surround myself within theo- theological debate and, uh, and have the answers to it, um, then I'll be able to stand up for my faith. I'll be able to stand up for my faith in God. And I'll have this perfect formula. I'll have this perfect formula in place for every possible situation. How wrong was I? I remember back, in, uh, back at university, I had the privilege of going over to Amsterdam in Holland. And I was doing a, um, uh, a joint thesis with two other friends of mine um, on, the, uh, on the Dutch media. And so we, we spent some time going around uh, Amsterdam, looking through the various newspapers and, and film avenues to, uh, to see how they did things. And um, the two girls that I, I went with weren't, uh, weren't believers, but uh, I was given a, um, a great um, hookup by um, somebody within my community back in the UK uh, with um, uh, Christian hostel accommodation. So it kept us nice and cheap for us as students. You know, we couldn't afford the Ritz. We needed somewhere. Um, but these guys um, were, were, came, came along with me, and we, we went to this Christian hostel. And it's, it was just plastered everywhere. The Word of God is, was on the walls. It was in the people as well, you know, the way in which they, they loved upon, uh, upon, upon them as they came in the... Uh, it, into the hostel, and uh, it was very difficult to, uh, to to get away from that sort of environment. And we sat down, we had some lunch together, and um, I think this this whole environment couldn't have gone any worse. I had a guy um, sitting next to us, and on the television at the time was a lot of uh, conflict that was happening in Israel. And we had this guy who was sitting down in his word, and his, he was hard out, you know, basically preaching at my friends' faces about this was this was exactly what was was coming. You know, this is this is the the this is the end. This is this is all all that it's coming to. And I'm sitting there going, how am, how am I gonna how am I gonna how am I gonna get them out of this? What am I gonna do? And I'm only sort of seventeen, eighteen at the time. And the girls got into a discussion with me. What does your faith mean to you? What has it done in terms of transforming you? And I, I was at a mind blank. I was at a complete mind blank. I said, well, um, 
well, uh, uh, part of uh, part of being church is is, is um, uh, you know body of Christ is that I I, um, uh, I get to. Uh, I get to give to uh, to, a, to a number of charities, and and and, and we're, we're almost like a like a charity, and and and, and that we, we we help out uh, our community, and 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 uh, Nuria, my friend, said, "Well, what makes that different from UNICEF, or what makes that different from?" I was like, "Well, um, uh, well, well I, I'm a very loving person. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it makes makes me. Di- Sorry, there's lots of other people out there who." you know, who love people. They don't need God to to love people. And so I was just going on a complete nosedive, a complete nosedive in this. And what I realized was that it wasn't enough to know about God. It wasn't enough to know um, a few lovely stories within the Bible that I could speak to them about, they were asking me, what is the intricacy of the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ that makes you the person that you are? And I couldn't answer them. I couldn't answer them. And it got me on a, on a path of trying to find out not more about God, not more about Jesus Christ, but who is he to me? What we need to realize as believers is that we sit on a beautiful tension where we operate from an environment where we have the living word. We have the living word of God that transforms us within. And knowledge that only comes from the spirit that gives us the wisdom to discern and the words to speak when we are positioned to share our faith. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I just want to stop there because that's something which would have been completely alien to me in the middle of that conversation, that it judges the thoughts, which we immediately assume is equated to the mind, and the attitudes of the heart. There's something so, so powerful that we, we need the revelation of that God operates from a heart relationship. He operates to speak to our hearts. He operates to, to bring clarity and confirmation to our hearts through His amazing Word. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Our life is to be an experience of both and more, not one or the other. If we can approach the word in a way in which we attack it, attack it, attack it, going for the knowledge that we would can retain, that we can hold on to, or something that we can actually bring to, to people who are, uh, are, are asking us the questions about evolution or the rest of it. We can have that, and we can approach the word that way. And sometimes that's all we do. But instead, God is saying, in here, I'm presenting to you the very relationship that I always called you to be. I'm directing you to a heart relationship with intimacy. And I want you 
to obtain knowledge. I want you to obtain knowledge from my word that will open your spirit to get you to that revelation. The disciples learned this the hard way, just like me. That there is no distinct formula, but I thank God that their experience is documented so that we too can learn from them. And I want to pick it up from, uh, from Matthew 10. So if you turn with me from Matthew 10, when he sends his disciples out. And we'll, uh, we'll dart around uh, this chapter um, up until about verse 18. So Matthew 10 and from verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Let's just stop there. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority. Do you operate from a position where you recognize that he has given you authority, where you have been given authority as a disciple of Jesus Christ to heal the sick, to drive out evil spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. You know, it's one of the very first things which we can, we can change, we can be redefined by in our level of confidence as we approach other people, as we approach uh, the throne, is that we have a confidence because God has given us the authority. He's given it to us. Going forward through to, to verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What does that mean, freely you have received, freely give? At that stage, the disciples hadn't, uh, had, hadn't received the Holy Spirit upon their life. But what they had had was intimacy with Jesus Christ. They'd walked closely with, with Jesus. They had that experience of, of, of asking Him questions, of seeking Him, of finding out the answers which was needed. And in doing that, they received. In the same way, we are asked to come before him. We're asked to step in confidently into that place of intimacy, to seek him through his word, through prayer, and to recognize that what we receive through what he wants to present to us, we too are not to hold on to it, but we're to give it to, give it to those who need it. Verse 9, it says, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For workers are worth their keep. Again, I'll just stop there. It's another thing that, that the disciples um, were, were called to be wholeheartedly abandoned. Not taking anything with them that would hinder their focus from the very thing that, that Christ was calling them to do. We uh, we're so often uh, try to, to take... Uh, take various different uh, tactics or different angles in which we approach uh, approach people with the love of God, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. I remember when um, when we we went and did our treasure hunt 
um, which uh, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, is, is just an opportunity to, to sit um, and to, to wait upon God. And He, um, he, gives, you, he gives you clues. As we listen, um, He speaks and gives you clues to, uh, to finding treasure. And the treasure are people. Um, and this can be a variety of things for a word of encouragement. It can be uh, healing. Um, it could be something that is uh, prophetic. And, uh, and as a life group, we, we, we engaged in, in this and we're, we're hungry to see uh, God just uh, move uh, in incredible ways in our life. And when I think about the way in which our, our groups, uh, you know, went into, uh, went into to, to this, this uh, treasure hunt, it wasn't something that uh, w- they were going, right, okay, now... Um, now, LJ, you're going to take the uh, the right flank, uh, get them into a, uh, a full Nelson, and then as you do that, we'll come and we'll pray for their knee. No, no, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, oh, all right, now, uh, now, uh, Nathan, uh, when we when we uh, when we speak with Gus, uh, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna hit him with uh, with all the apologetics, and we're gonna bring uh, clarity to him this way, and there, there'll be no way that he'll ever be able to deny God. We have to come in our abandonment, in our obedience to God, where we're hearing from His Spirit. And when we're in a place in which we're speaking with someone, just as I'm speaking with Kirk right now, I don't come with an agenda. I don't come with a a plan to win an argument. But I come solely with the love of God in my heart to present to the very person and that is how we're called. That is the, the call that the disciples were asked to walk when, when they were sent out. Verse 11, it says, Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at that person's house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. Or other um, scriptures say your peace. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. And there is often a, a, a misconstrued, a misunderstanding of that scripture, is that we enter into uh, a place or we enter into an environment and we declare peace. Peace on you, wall. Peace on you, sofa. Peace on you, bedroom. That's not what, that's not what the scripture is, is, is saying. Or, or peace on you, person, that, that I, I've come to... I've come to speak. It's talking about when we are walking in intimacy with the Father, when we, are, when we have relationship with Him, when we, uh, when we have a revelation of the very peace that God wants to offer us, the rest that we can walk in. It's not you declaring peace over. You walk into that environment and you bring the peace. You bring the peace. You are the peace in that environment. And so when God comes and invades, it's the very thing that he's, he's calling us to, to bring and to, 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 to invite uh, within that environment. From verse 14, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. So many of us lose confidence because we fear we've blown our only opportunity that a person is going to respond to the full gospel message, or healing, or deliverance. Yet, what you have said could easily be the planting of a seed 
that is one of many to follow from others that are in that person's life. The disciples are are sent away, they're commissioned. And then a little bit later on in Matthew 17, from verse 14, um, we have a, a man that comes to Christ, kneeling down at his feet. His son has epilepsy and, uh, and suffers severely from it and, and finds himself uh, falling, into, falling into fires and into water. And he brings them to the disciples um, in order to, um, to, see the, uh, to see the demon uh, come out. But um, the man says that they couldn't cure him. I want to pick it up from uh, verse 19. Jesus has, has performed the miraculous. He has he come through for this man and this child. And verse 19 of Matthew 17 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? We've, we've, we've heard what you, you said we, we're commanded to do. Matthew 10, we've, we've, we've followed you know, what we think is the program. Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Has anyone ever wondered what Jesus meant by this? Just at that very last bit. However, this kind does not go out except through by prayer and fasting. What was it that Christ wanted them to pray and fast about? Well, Christ, that's right. It's good, Terry. Christ already spoke to them saying, your unbelief is the problem, an area of their lives that they could not figure out for themselves. Jesus is the giver of spiritual sight to reveal to us that when we can't see with our own physical eyes, he's there to present that. And Jesus was stating this. He was stating that this revelation for the disciples was not going to come through a physical ritual or a formula, but through the special environment of communing with God, enjoying intimacy that he would reveal that part of unbelief in their life through this very process. You know, so much we, we're wanting to, to run by the program. We're want, wanting to run by the formula. But God doesn't operate within that. You know, we've, I, I found myself even um, after uh, being with uh, David and Greta Peters when they came to do the, the weekend of the supernatural, is that you can so easily fall into a formula of something that is off the revelation of somebody else. And, um, and God doesn't call us to, to, to live off of that, but to, to seek Him first, to seek the very revelation, which is going to be the, the transformation for us. And again, when we, 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 can't, we can't expect that, you know, if I was to come and pray for Debbie's foot right now and I laid my foot on and it healed this, this time and then I went to Sandra and tried to do the same and it didn't, that there's something, you know, there's something wrong with 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 the the, the actual action. Maybe I maybe I only need to put three fingers on, or or maybe uh, maybe I need to hop three times and then do it. 
No, God is wanting to, to present himself in so, so many ways to us that is mysterious, but yet is everywhere here in his living word, everywhere to be found. The process of intimacy with the Father, of knowing him, that we need to engage first and foremost if we are to expect to see transformation. There are deeper truths that God wants to show us through his living word and being intimate with him that we are missing because we're not looking with our spiritual eyes open and are jumping into situations trying to win when Christ wants to perform a victory in our own life. He wants to do that first and foremost. God never calls us to works that are not spirit-led. And yet our arguments with people are the very things we think are spirit-led because we're standing up for our faith. I realized this when I was, when I was doing that in, in, in Amsterdam. And yet at the very time, God was saying, do you believe that me, the God of the universe, can actually stand up and, and fight for myself? <laughs> you know, do you believe that I can look after myself even though these people don't believe, even though these people persecute you, even though these people don't have a, a depth of who I am? Do you believe that I am still victorious and can be in their lives? I loved what Clay said this morning about uh, Bible study that it's not an academic exercise. It's not about pumping our pride muscles up. You know, here I am. Yes, I've got the word in me. And I can quote it to you till I'm blue in the face. But if it's not living within me, if it's not working itself out, if it's not working in my life to bring revelation, to bring a breaking down, of my old thinking and allowing me to, to take those steps up the mountain instead of going round and round the mountain, then it's folly. It's a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual exercise, an engagement with the Holy Spirit where the Scripture says uh, in, in Psalm 119, open my eyes in Open my eyes to see the wonderful things in your law. If we want to grow in knowing the very person of Jesus Christ, we have to open, be open to, to God bringing, bringing us more from his word. You know, even different things that, than, than what we already have grasped. It's, it's so integral, this walk with God, that we don't look to puff up pride that we don't look to feel good about ourselves, but that we feel good in the knowing of Him, in our love, in our walk, in our relationship with Him. People will ask you questions about evolution, about Mormonism. They'll ask you about the suffering. And very often than not, our opportunity as believers is to, to walk in unity with the Spirit and to really assess what's behind the questions. 
more than often enough when people have addressed me with those sorts of things, they're looking for an excuse not to engage with God. They're looking for a way to, to try and discredit. And more than often, you have the chance to say, look, bro, what, what, is, what is this about? What, what, what is really going on inside? Where is the fear or what is it that you are really wanting God to speak to you in your life about right now? And more than often enough, it's a perfect opportunity to bring and to speak the full message of God's love. Christ prayed this for us as his people. I'll get the band to come up again. John 17, 22 to 23. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Amen. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know what's going to make a difference when we leave these doors is that we seek first and foremost the love, the love relationship that Christ is wanting to have in our hearts. Because I know that even as I, I step out the door, there are people that are going to frustrate me. There are people that are, are going to uh, confuse. Uh, there are people who are going to try and um, try and badger me. And those people are put in my life so that I can gain a greater revelation of the very heart that Jesus Christ has for them. And what is going to be the catalyst, what is going to be the changing point in those people's lives is not when we come back with them with arguments or try to win one over them. It's going to be our love for them that we have received from our Heavenly Father. Each of us have our own testimonies. I love reading uh, Rene's musings uh, this morning about the power of our testimony. It is never to be uh, snarked at. It's never to be looked at. Whatever testimony you have is powerful to you and can be a powerful encouragement to others. It is life-giving. It is life-bearing. And it is the very example of love that somebody may need to hear. I pray that people would come to know the Father, not through our winning of arguments, not through the fact that we have head knowledge bursting at the seams, but through the love revelation that Christ has placed in our hearts through his living word for one another and for people who are not yet part of this kingdom. I want the guys to, to, sing, uh, to sing hope. I want... Uh, I want us to recognize that if you're feeling a lack of confidence in, 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 in being able to, to stand for Christ, we need to recognize that our hope is not in our ability, but it's in His ability. It's in who He is and who He says He is. And 
And something that's so crucial is as we walk together as a family, as we contend for the truth, as we contend for life, that we would recognize the hope that Christ offers us.